because in John chapter 12, after Mary and Martha had did their thing, and, and even Judas did his thing, and if you read in the other gospel accounts, after Judas made his pronouncement about, my goodness, why we spend, why would she pour all this oil on Jesus? This she not a year, this is a year's worth of wages. Take all the checks you got in 2017 or whatever you made in 2017 and you apply and purchase a bottle of expensive oil and that's it. And then you take that that you worked so hard for and took a year's worth of your time and effort and sweat and toil and everything else and then pour it on Jesus as a symbol of sacrifice and love. And Judas is like, ah, what is he doing? We could have took that and made some money off of it. And when you read the other gospel accounts, what you find out is after he said that, I think in Luke, he, takes, he goes off. And he meets the religious leaders because this is it. This is, this is the swan song. He goes and meets them and he says, he says I'm, gonna, I'm willing to betray Jesus. How much are you going to pay me for it? They gave him 30 pieces of silver. That's what he sold to them, he says, and I'll let you know when I'm ready. When it's this, when this time and the situation's right, I will lead you to Jesus and then you, then you can have him. Isn't that, isn't that something? The same guy that's been around, seen all that Jesus did, he's willing to sell Jesus out. But that's all good. You know why? Because even in John chapter 12, everything that's happened is because God's hand is on all the events. Amen? If God's hand is on what's getting ready to happen to Jesus, guess what? God's hand, if you really want to serve and work and glorify and live for him, his hand's on you as, as well. And there's nothing that happens in your life that God is not able to work through it. And on the other side of the coin, he's, not, he's also able to provide. I mean, we all have dreams and aspirations, but the best dreams and aspirations is to ask the question, Lord, where, where would you have me to be? Not, this is where I'm going to do, but Lord, where would you have me to be? We were talking yesterday at home, and somebody, something came up about if we had lived in, Dave and I were born in Jamaica, Long Island, in New York. My mom is from Houston, Texas, or her sister's in Houston, Texas. And we were talking about what would have happened if we never came to Wilmington. A lot of things could be different. There's a lot of things would be different. My wife was with me at the time we were talking. She said, well, if you had never came to Wilmington, you never would have met me. And I would have been a part of the family. And you wouldn't have had your wonderful grandchildren that you had. I said, well, that's a thought. And it's true. Because... You don't know what would have happened to any of us if the circumstances, as God's directing your life, if you, if you were somewhere else. I may have never been in the ministry. I, would never, I may be saved. I may not be saved. I could have got in trouble, ran with gangs. And There's a whole plethora of things that could have happened if I had not been here. And God directed my life. When we came in 1964, we had no clue that this, all this was going to happen. But thanks be to God, he directs. The steps of a righteous man are ordered 
by the Lord. The steps of Jesus are now ordered by the Lord. It's time. And we find this all out because in John chapter 12, verse 9, he says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they had been there. They had been around Jesus because of what he did with Lazarus. Four days after he was dead, Lazarus is raised, and everybody's ears are up. Not only that, it's the time of the Passover. And because it's the time of the Passover, people were making their way to Jerusalem. So the, 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 the amount of people that were coming there was well above what was normal the case. You had people out of curiosity, but you also had people coming there because there was time, it was time of the Passover. They had to give their sacrifice. Upper in the hundreds of thousands, maybe close to millions of people were making their way, their trek to there. And this large crowd, notice what it says is, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only account of him, talk about Jesus, because they would say, okay, well, wait a minute, is he going to do something else? Is there something else he could do? I mean, he raised, not that anybody had never been raised from the dead, but when he raised Lazarus, four days later, he had raised people before. I mean, they died and he raised them. But after they were definitely D-E-A-D, dead, four days, they said, wait a minute, let's go see what this guy is going to do. So they're there for him, and they were also there to, to see Lazarus. It tells us, and it always qualifies that, not just any Lazarus, the Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. You got those religious people, those chief priests, not only did they want to get rid of Jesus, but now they want to kill Lazarus. Wait a minute. We want Jesus because this thing is getting out of hand. But you know what? This thing with Lazarus is also getting out of hand. Let's kill him as well because people are starting to flock in here and the attention is off of us and off of what we want and on to Lazarus and on to Jesus. You know how people are when the, the attention is not on them? You know, we talked about when people walk into the room, they want to be the light. Sometimes, sometimes it's for a good thing. Other times, it's, look at me. You know who I am? No. They, they weren't in love with Jesus. They weren't in love. They weren't, some of them weren't happy about that. They were plotting to kill him. That's what it says. The chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believe, because of what happened to Lazarus, we were like, wait a minute, maybe this thing about Jesus is the correct thing. Maybe there is something to this Jesus guy. Maybe we need to believe in him. My pastor used to tell me, be very careful when you sit. See, it says that they made plans. He used to tell us, as a congregation, listen, be very careful when you start setting traps and making plans of ill will towards somebody else. You know why? Because the same trap that you're trying to set for somebody else, every now and then and many times what happens is you end up stepping on the trap yourself. Uh-huh. Don't believe it, do you? Oh, yeah, it happens. I'm going to get back at him. I'm gonna, I, I don't get mad. I just get even. Be careful, because you're not the only one that thinks like that. Not only that, but when you're pointing fingers, 
You've heard me say this before. I'm just letting you know. Just a refresher course. Sound down in your mind. When you point fingers, guess what? The one that you point out, you've got three more pointing back at you. So be careful. Amen? These people, these religious leaders need to be careful because they're making plans based on what they see from the outside that many of the people are believing in Lazarus, believing in Jesus, and because of what he did to Lazarus, they're flocking, they're leaving them to find out what's going on with this man called Jesus. That ought to be us today. People ought to see our lives reflecting the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that some of the things that are said in this text would be said about us. They're going to come because, wait a minute, what's going on over there? Something's happening. But you know what? Something can't happen unless we're happening. Are we excited about the things of God? And when I talk about that, I'm not just talking about this. I'm not talking about just coming to church. You're spending way more time outside of here than you spend in here. That's why one of my emphasis is, that's why I want you in here more, so that you can be taught more and learn more and grow more and be more. Because you don't know what you don't know if you're not exposed to the truth of the gospel. Read the right things. Watch the right television programs. Listen to the right music. Hang around the right people. There are people today right now, because they're not doing those things, that are getting sucked up into things that they may not get themselves out of. You've got to watch who you hang with. And I would tell some of you, because I don't get this chance too often, that I tell many that I see on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings in Sunday school, listen, if everybody likes you, you're just a good old boy, that's a problem. Be friendly. But every now and then, because of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that emanates from you, you ought to be an offense to some people. Not because you're mean-spirited or you act mean or you do. It's just the fact of the life they know that you live makes them feel uncomfortable. And you don't have to wave a flag and, and put it on a big card and say, this is, no, just be what the Lord wants you to be. And I guarantee you, they will say hi to you, but they'll also say bye to you as well. Because they know, not that you're perfect, but man, you know, this is, I feel guilty when I'm around. There's something and I had to say a word. I, I, my life in Christ emanates so much so that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Why, would they, why else would they want to kill Lazarus if not for the only reason of that what Jesus had done for him made them feel bad about what had happened to him? Some would say, why didn't it happen to me? Some would say, I don't understand all this, that, this attention that, that Jesus is getting. And remember, up until now, up until this next verse, up until now, Jesus has avoided all crowds. He's avoided people trying to latch hold of him and trying to promote him to step out and be more than he could be. Jesus, remember early on in the book of John, many times they wanted him to, now, Jesus, you just did this miracle. Now's the time. 
Now step out. You're going to lead the revolt. You're going to help us overcome this cruel Roman tyranny. Jesus, you just did this. Now's the time. Step out. Be bold. Be all you can be. Because we see in you, not a deliverer of our sins, but a deliverer of us from this tyranny that we're under. And many times, remember, they want to lay hold of Jesus for the wrong reason. Jesus slipped out. Many times when the crowds got too big, Jesus said, you know what? My hour has not yet come. He would step aside and go off into the mountains and be alone with just him and his disciples. But at this point, in chapter 12, here's what's going to happen. Now Jesus embraces the crowd. He says, okay, it is time. And verse 12, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. It's time. Of all times, Jesus is now stepping out to embrace the throngs of people that have made their way to Jerusalem. You know why he did that? Because he understood his mission was about up. He had a purpose. He had a plan. And he was fulfilling what the Father said. Now it's time. Oh, I want the crowds now. Because I want to make those religious leaders so upset that they're going to crucify me by Passover. I've got to be there at Passover when the sacrificial lambs are given because I am going to be the lamb of all lambs. I will be the, the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And to fulfill scripture and to do what God wants me to do, I want them now to see me coming into town riding in a donkey's coat so that they will get so mad and so upset that they will fulfill what the Father has already said that's going to happen some 580 years earlier. It was predicted in Scripture. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 talks about that. that here, and remember, in the context, they were used to seeing what we call the triumphal entry. But when generals and men of war went out and they had victory, they were, they, we, we would call it a victory parade or ticker tape parade is what we call it today. This was the ultimate. Back then, their parades made our ticker tape parades look like nothing. The generals would come in on a majestic stallion on a horse and ride in with their robes and their insignias and all that. And they would have behind them the captives and the kings of other, that they had taken captives and other captives. And they would ride down through the city and people, thrones of people would be praising and shouting their names. And they would just ride in like, I'm the man. They're shouting my name. I'm it. You see what I'm sitting on? Not just any little horsey. But a stallion, clip, 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 and I, I'm coming in. Not like the little dude on the car where they tell him, you're on fire. <laughs> I like that commercial. No, yeah. You know, that's what they, that's what they, that's it. Yeah, I'm on fire. Mm -hmm. No, you're on fire. Yeah, I'm on fire. No, you're on fire. Look behind you. Ah! 
They rioted in because they thought they were on fire. They were it. And here's Jesus. In the other accounts, they said he sends his disciples away to, to get ready for the, the Passover supper that they were getting ready to have. And they said, bring me a colt. Well, how will we know? All you got to tell, all you have to say is the master has need of this, of these things. And the person that you talk to will provide all that is needed. See how God works things out? You and I have plans. We have, but if you leave it in the hands of Jesus, somebody that you talk to that doesn't even know who you are, and they do things because they don't know why they do, all because it's in the hands of God. Maybe you needed a loan for something, and the person said, no, there's no way. On paper, it doesn't make sense, but God directs the hearts and the minds of the person you're talking to, and they give to you what you want, not even know why they gave it to you. Maybe you got a promotion on your job. Maybe you got your job for no other reason than God's hand was in it. Had no qualifications. They had never worked in this place before, but there was something about you that the person that interviewed you said, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on you. And they do it, and the next thing you know, they can sit back and go, wow, this is the best hire I ever had. Two reasons. One, whatever they do, they do it without complaining and moaning and groaning. Why would you do that? Because I'm not doing it for you, sir. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. For if I take care of what the Lord wants, he will take care of what I need. It was revelatory that the other Sunday in Sunday school class we were talking about obeying those that have rule over you. And the command isn't based on whether the person is doing right or wrong or you like them or don't like them. The command is simply you just do it. All the stuff, and I kept trying to come back to that, all this other stuff you're giving me you may have some points and whatever, but the bottom line is, Hupatasso, line up under, submit to the rulers who have rule over you. You just don't know my boss. Don't need to know your boss. And Jesus and God doesn't need to know your boss. All he tells you as a believer and as a Christian is line up under. All that other stuff, God will take care of all that. He just treats me so mean. So mean I just... Put it in the hands of Jesus. Take it to the altar. See, those, those are some good principles. Take it to the altar. Pray about it. Whether it's an altar at the foot of your bed or in your bathroom or kitchen, wherever, you, wherever your altar is, pray, leave it there, and get up and watch the Lord work it out. Amen? He's riding it on a colt that has been prepared for him by somebody that God had already, and God is already dealing with this crowd. Why are these people here now? Because it's in the hands of God. It was, they were duty-bound. They had no other choice. They are taking their coats off their bodies. They're laying down palm trances. And in rides Jesus as a conquering hero. And many of them thought that Jesus was coming in not for the salvation of their souls, but now here, that's it. Oh, Jesus, thank you. You're come to deliver us from this Roman tyranny. You're come to deliver us politically from the powers that are over us. They missed it. Read the other gospel accounts. 
Jesus weeps. He cries as he's coming into the city. He's crying. Why would he be crying? Because he understood. They didn't, they didn't understand what was getting ready to happen to him. Because in a few days, these same people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and all the things that they were saying about Jesus were the same people by Friday. Crucify! Crucify! Wait a minute. Are you not the same people a couple, two or three days ago were saying, Jesus! Yes! Jesus! Whoa! Hosanna! Praise God! The word Hosanna has the idea, the connotation of save us today. They want it saved, all right. They want it saved not from their sin, but from the politics of the day. And here comes Jesus riding in, triumphant. And he sees in his mind's eye the cross ever looming. He also sees that, and he weeps because he sees the people that in a few years would captivity and the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed and the temple, the temple would be destroyed and all that was going to happen to his people because of their sin and disobedience. And he cries. He's weeping. And I thought to myself, that should be us as the church. In our celebration, in our praises to God, sometimes our heart should be broken. And we should be weeping. Because many of us have friends and relatives, maybe even our own selves, I don't know, that sin still has to reign over them. Sin is still a part of their life. They've never professed Christ. They don't know anything about the things of God. They have no desire to serve God. Every now and then, our hearts ought to be heavy, and we ought to be so burdened about others who don't know Jesus. In a real personal way. And if we never get there, there's something wrong with us. We should not be so consumed about ourselves that we forget about many. And like I just said, some of them are in your house. Some of them are on your job. Some of them are in our neighborhoods. That are oblivious to the things of God. And if they don't get it right, and if they don't get right with God, they will find themselves in hell. Many years ago when I was at church, BNBC Second Baptist, I was a young person and Pastor Harris, Pastor Harris showed a movie. <clears throat> the Burning Hell. It was a graphic movie. I mean, graphic. And it showed people, it talked about Ultimately, the people who did not know Christ. And it showed scenes in hell. Fire all around people. See, the thing about hell is this. As you will get a new body conducive for heaven, you will get a new body conducive for hell. It will never be burned up. It will have fire. And it could be, it's like taking a piece of meat and putting it in the fire. And it will never burn. And it showed the worms and the, and the, and the maggots and all this stuff coming. People were like, ah! And then they gave an invitation. And a lot of people flooded down the aisles. Save me! Oh, I, I want to be a part of the church. I... Be it good, be it bad. They saw all that. 
And they just got scared. You have a, you should be scared. I, I, you and I need to be scared of hell. You and I need to be scared of hell for those that we know and love. Because when it gets to that day, there's nothing you can do. Mama can't help you. Daddy can't help you. Grandma can't help you. You're on your own. And that's what happened to these people. Many of them had seen the miracles of Jesus. Had saw, that's, that's the indictment on the nation of Israel. You saw it. You experienced it. You see it for yourself. And you still. That's why people say, well, if Jesus was here, and I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Because he did it then and they didn't believe. And he doesn't have to do all that. Now, we have the word of God and he, if he's working you, he has you who have experienced it. Has God worked a work of grace in your life? Really? Has he? Or if he has, then we ought to live it. Amen, lights off. We learn in Sunday school. There's no wishy-washy. There's no middle ground. It's you're all in. You're all in or you're all out. Either way. Sorry, I can't. And it's not me. The Bible says that. Either you're all in with Jesus or you're all out. He made a plan. He says, wait a minute. You're either hot or you're cold. Because he hates lukewarm. He says, because if you're, if you're lukewarm, have you, ever had, have you ever wanted something hot or cold and it wasn't what you thought it was? The first reaction, oh, no, this is, you know, that's what Jesus says. That if you're lukewarm, <laughs> whoa, phew, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I used the analogy. Probably wasn't a good one, but probably apropos. So you go to the casino. No, I know. I've been there. I've never gambled. Oh, I'll take that back. I did go play. My wife told me to play the penny machine or something. <laughs> you know, I listened to her voice. And I, and I did, but when you're all in, at the table. I have not done anything like that. other than that. And I wanted I just put it in, put, put. I was done. Okay, I didn't win. Cool. You were there to eat. That was the guys. But when you're at the casino table and you put your chips all in, as I understand it, once they're all in, you're all what? You're all in. They spin the wheel, do whatever they do. If you win, it's great. But if you lose, it's not great. Because you put everything you had in there. Jesus doesn't want, Jesus wants you to put it all in. He doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. He wants your life. He wants your marriage. He wants your kids. He wants you. Everything that you ever think that you own or will own or will ever have, he wants it all. He's like that. Because you can't be his disciple. And not follow him. They were celebrating. But they had it wrong, wrong. Because verse 16 says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. At this point in time, they've seen all this. They saw all this. But they really didn't put it all together. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. It was after Jesus had resurrected from the grave and after he told him to be in the upper room and after the Holy Spirit really manifested himself in our lives that all of a sudden the lights went off. And that's what I want for many of you. 
I want the lights to go off and you see for yourself. Wait a minute. It ain't about me. It's about Jesus. What can I do in his kingdom? Oh, I, like you, have many other things I could do. But my first priority is to serve Jesus. Because I put him first. He'll give you the time to do the things you need to do. Oh, wait a minute. I can't do that. Mm-mm. Schedule's tight. This is not going to be here over here. I got to go that over. No, no, put Jesus first. He'll work it all out. We just don't believe it. His disciples did not understand these things, but they finally did. That's what I want. I want, you to, I want all of us to have that light, epiphany. The lights. Oh, I get it. Lord, you really have brought me a long way. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't get here by because I'm so smart, because I study hard. Because I'm able to do things. I, I, have, I have this together. Oh, Lord, I, I see it now. Because I wouldn't have what I have if you hadn't woke me up this morning. You would, whatever I did, I, I did it because you gave me the ability to go, take a breath. The reason why I'm able to do some things is because you give me a talent and be able to do some things. Because it's the same God that gives you the talent to do it. It can be the same God that can take it away. Especially if we're not doing what he wants us to do. Oh, you think you're going to get, oh, no, I'll tell you what, I'll take it right from you. I will humble you so that you will get to see. <laughs> I got it, Lord. I didn't need to, you didn't need to go this route. But I understand why. You broke me. See, until a man or boy or girl is broke by the Lord, I mean, God has a way. You talk about humble street. You talk about seeing no way out. Talk about you don't know how you're going to make it, and then he delivers you. And the only reason why you were able to make it out is because you know that he knows that you know that it was him. Then... Then you and I go, hopefully we have enough sense to go. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Because you could have snapped your fingers and blinked your eye, and I could have been out of here. But you got tired of my mess. But you woke me up. And I can see it. More clearly, because the lenses of my life know that it was you. They saw it. They were to fix it. They remembered the things that had been written about him had he had done, that they had things that they had done to him. The crowd that had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. Oh, yeah. This is the guy. That's, we know this. That's the same guy. That's Jesus. They bore witness because they saw for himself. So you can't tell them. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe why we don't talk about the things of God and the things that God does. Because we cannot bear witness of something we don't know. How are you, 
you going to witness about the goodness of God if you, never, if you don't even know what the goodness of God is to you? They, bore, they, were, they were able to be a witness. They saw for themselves. They said this is it. And that's what God wants. God wants us to be witnesses in this world. The person working next to you on the machine, the person next to you in the office, the person next to you in the lunch line, the per- they, I don't know, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I know how you can make it. I'm walking on the treadmill. Somebody said something like that. Like I said about the woman that was at the hospital. That's your opportunity to say, wait, I know how you can make it. Can I pray for you? You'd be going, who, who are you? What kind of person are you? No, I just heard, I just kind of heard that you. But they say, no, okay. You can still pray for them. Be a witness. Be a light. Be bold. We're bold about everything else. Be bold for Jesus. The crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. They heard about it. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. If God has done great things for you, then bear witness of it. Whenever we've done it, we don't do it as much as we really should. I'm going to try to bring that back. But whenever we have testimony service, me, not you, I'm thinking everybody has a testimony. There's something God has done for you. We give you the opportunity to testify, witness for the Lord. It shouldn't take that long. A pastor, can I say something? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I just want to let you know that this past week, something happened in my life, and I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. I went to the doctor and blah, 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 but thanks be to God, when I went back again, what they saw the first time, they didn't see the second time. Can't explain it. Don't know how it happened. Somebody said, those are always the, 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 the big things that happen. No, it doesn't be that big. Pastor, can I just tell you? Uh, God's been good. He's been, he's been good. That's all I can tell you. My witness, my testimony is God's been good to me. God has smiled on me. The reason why the crowd went after him was that they heard he had done this. They heard what Jesus had done, the sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, here it is, and I close. You see, remember they had plotted earlier? How are we going to get this done? Because we don't want these people doing anything. But by this, by this point in time, instead of people turning from Jesus, when they saw the reaction of the multitudes and the people that were there, here's what they said. Notice what they said. The world has gone after him. Basically, the world has gone. The world, in a sense, not the whole world, universal, cosmos, but what they saw before them with all the people focusing their attention on Jesus, what they said was, the world has gone mad. They are after this guy. We made a plan to get this not to hear, but to silence him, and it seems that what we have planned hasn't worked out. Because everybody's excited about this man named Jesus. 
And my question to us today, are you and I excited about this man by the name of Jesus? Are we? To the extent that we're willing to sacrifice for him? I pray that we are. I was thinking this past week as I was, I didn't serve in the military, but I love everything the military stands for, honor, integrity, commitment, all those things, virtues that we lack in our, in our own lives sometimes and even as a culture that if my buddy needs me, I'm there. If he lives in California and I'm in Ohio or Texas or wherever and get a phone call and say, man, I need you here. You know, I, I, I just need you to come. It's not the time to say, well, I can't afford to get there. I don't know how I'm going to go. No, no we, figure out, we figure out ways to do everything else we do. You say, you really, yes, uh, yeah, A, B, A, B, whatever you do. B, I need you. Okay, I'll do my best to get there. As soon as I can, I'll get there. What would cause a man to throw his body over a grenade or a landmine or IUD because he knows his comrades are coming, his buddies that he's fought in wars and battles behind him? And they said, no. I am willing to give the ultimate sacrifice. I'm, I'm willing to die for them. That's how to be in the church. You know why? Because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the one that stepped on the IUD, the landmine, the grenade for us. We were walking around in life not knowing that any moment now we could step and blow ourselves out into eternity and not being right with him would have caused us to be in hell. But he said, as, as, we learn in, as we're going to learn through 12 on forward, he saw you and I in his mind's eye and said one day, I'm going to save whatever your name is if you're saved today. So they won't step on that mind and blow themselves into eternal damnation. For God... So love you that he gave his only one son, his only begotten son, that whosoever, this is open to anybody, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, a life of a different kind. Amen? That's what I want for you. To grasp that concept and say, man, I want, to, I want to be like Jesus. I want the people to say, there's something different about secret. There's something different about art. There's something different about sharing. There's something different about Missy. There's something different about Heather. There's something about all of us. Not because we try to be so special. Because Jesus is on the inside. Amen? Father, thank you for your word.